Well, thank you for joining us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 130. We have all experienced the, the need for forgiveness in our lives, for things that we have done towards others. Uh, we hurt each other. Uh, sometimes that's intentional. Sometimes that is, uh, you know, unintentional. Uh, but we felt the weight at times of realizing, like, I've done something and I need forgiveness for what I've done. And that I, I believe that the weight of that that we feel at times is um, is used. To, it's just kind of shadow of pointing to the reality that we need God's forgiveness uh, more in our lives. We all are in desperate need of God's forgiveness. Scripture teaches that we are. Uh, you know, we have all sinned against God and we continue to sin uh, against God. Uh, and so we have the need of forgiveness. Uh, sometimes that need doesn't burden us much. Uh, sometimes we can kind of go about our days just like everything's normal and not think much about it. But sometimes the weight of that, uh, when we realize our depravity, when we realize the, the depth of our sin, uh, and especially what had to be done in order for us to be forgiven, sometimes that can be quite a burden to our hearts, realizing our need for forgiveness. There was a, a doctor who worked at a mental institute, and I believe this was uh, at least a century ago. This was, uh, this was quite a while back, but he was being interviewed about his patients. Uh, and one of the things he said is, I'm convinced that more than half of the patients that I deal with on a day-to-day basis could walk out of this building and live a normal life and just be a normal part of society, fully functioning, if they could believe that forgiveness was something that they could experience. But because they, for whatever reason, felt this overwhelming burden that what I have done, there is no forgiveness for, they were crippled by that, unable to function in life anymore because it was such a burden for them. Now, we may not experience that kind of burden uh, concerning our lives and the weight of kind of guilt uh, from our sin and our need for forgiveness. But the reality is we all desperately need God's forgiveness. We all need God's mercy. Mercy is God, uh, it's kind of like the opposite of grace. It's God withholding from us what we deserve. You know, in our sin, we have earned and deserve God's wrath. And when He extends His mercy to us, He's holding back what we actually deserve. We all need that. And God's Word has good news for each one of us. Now, today, the text we're looking at in Psalm 130 uh, is being spoken from the vantage point of a child of God who is realizing their sin and crying out to God. There, of course, is the reality that some individuals have never experienced the full forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ. 
And so if you have not experienced God's forgiveness and mercy, if that's not something that you're sure that you understand and have experienced, my prayer is that today as you hear this message about God's mercy and God's forgiveness that is available, that your heart will be drawn to this because we have a loving God. We have a forgiving God. And so listen to his word today. But of course, church, for us, this message is a reminder of how to respond, of how to consider the reality of our need for God's forgiveness and mercy in our lives and how to respond when we have received that. So I'm going to read our text, Psalm 130, and then I'm going to pray for us. Psalm 130 A song of ascents, out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and I put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman for the morning. More than a watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord. And with Him is redemption in abundance. And He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Let's pray. Father, you are good and your word is true. And so we confess that as we do each week, as we prepare for the truth from your word. Work in our hearts and minds to believe this and to respond accordingly. Holy Spirit, we invite you now uh, to stir us to respond in the way that you're calling us to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this text today, we're going to see good news for all of us. Good news for every single one of us uh, who needs God's mercy and then how to respond to that good news. The first piece of good news from this text is those who need mercy can cry out to God for forgiveness. Those who need mercy can cry out to God for forgiveness. That's good news. Uh, It's good news for us who are sinners, who have sinned and will sin against God. It is good news that we can go to Him. We can cry out to Him and ask for forgiveness. Let's look back at Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. A song of ascents out of the depths. I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. The psalmist says, I'm I'm crying out from the depths. The depths is giving the image of feeling separated from God. He's realized that he's in sin again. And feels like God is far away from him. And so he feels like he's in the depths of the sea, distanced from his God. And he cries out to God. And he asks God, 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 listen to me. Hear my cry. And when 
the CSB translate the word here at the end of verse 2 to hear my cry for help. The, the word is mercy. Uh, some of your translations, if you have a different translation, may say, hear my cry for mercy. Uh, and so that's pointing us. The word sin is not stated here in these verses. But the context that the psalmist is crying out for God's mercy is saying that he is, has realized he's in sin again. And he knows, I need God's forgiveness. I need God's mercy for what I have done. And he feels distance from God because of that. And so sin isn't stated, but because he's crying for mercy and because the psalm continues to go on and talk about the forgiveness and redemption that is available with God, we know that that's the context that the psalmist is is speaking from. And so the psalmist here gives us the example and shows us that as someone who needs God's mercy, as someone who has sinned against God, the psalmist is saying, I, I'm, I can go to God. I, I have a God that will let me come to Him and say, forgive me. I need your mercy for this. And that's good news for sinners. It's good news for every one of us that we can go to God and, and cry out for Forgiveness, cry out for mercy. See, our problem is often we uh, will respond in one of two ways concerning sin when we find ourselves in it. Uh, sometimes we'll respond with uh, essentially hiding from God. We'll feel like, man, I, I've messed up again. Uh, and we like impose a, a, a time period, you know, we have this like self-imposed punishment of like, I, I can't go to God now. Look at my life, it's a wreck. And so we end up ultimately hiding from God and not going and saying, God, I, I need you. I need your forgiveness. And of course, that's been a common response from the fall, right? We see in Genesis uh, after the first rebellion, the first sin committed in Genesis 3.8, we see this account in the garden. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They realized their sins, the consequence of their sin, and they hid from God. They didn't want God to see them because of their sin. And we often will do that in not going to God, not feeling like we can pray to God, not feeling like we're worthy because we are in sin again. And the good news for us is when we need God's forgiveness, we can cry out to Him. We can go to Him and say, God, forgive me. I need Your mercy. The other response is that kind of the polar opposite of that is sometimes we'll just be dismissive about our sin. Sometimes we'll think like, well, it's not that bad. Right? We'll play the comparative game. That's one way we'll dismiss. Like, it's not that bad compared to, like, God, have you seen the rest of the world? Like, I'm not doing most of those things. And so we don't really feel like we need to be honest about our sin and cry out to God for His mercy and forgiveness. 
because we're comparing or sometimes just in our heart's rebellion, the other way that we're dismissive is just, I know that God's grace will forgive me. And so we entertain sin more than we should uh, and just think God's, God's forgiveness and grace that I've received through Christ will cover this. Now, we may not say that out loud, but that's our heart's desire to, like, that's where we will land. And, of course, Paul speaks to that in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul saying we should not be dismissive about our sin. That's, that's not the way to respond. And so for us, it's important as we're realizing this truth, the, the good news that we can cry out to God for his mercy and his forgiveness is that neither of these responses are for the child of God. The, the response of hiding from God because of our shame of our sin or just not thinking it's that big of a deal. That is not how we should respond. We should respond as the psalmist does in 130, realizing the depth of his sin. It says, God, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness for today. I feel distanced from you and I need you to hear my cry. We have a God that we can go to. So church, let's be quick to turn to God when we realize our sins. When we're aware that we have sinned again against God, let's confess quickly and turn from them and go back to God. We can always turn back to Him. The, the story of the prodigal son, such a beautiful image of that, right? The, the son rebelling against the Father, living this horrible life of sin, and then turning back to his Father and saying, I'll just, maybe he'll let me just be a slave. And the Father, who's the, the parable, of course, is the image of God. The Father runs to him, embraces him, forgives him. That's the God that we serve. And so when we realize our sin, let's turn to him and just say, God, I was wrong I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. We can cry out to God. So this week, and really it needs to be a daily practice for us, but I'd like to challenge each of us is to, like, let's examine our hearts daily. Honestly, I need to probably do it multiple times a day. Let's examine our lives for sin and go to God. God, I know that I'm living in in rebellion against you. I know that I shouldn't have done this, and I, I did it again. I need your mercy. Let's become a people quick to confess our sins and cry out to God. The second truth, the second piece of good news that we see from this text is this. Those who need mercy can experience God's forgiveness. Those who need mercy can experience God's forgiveness. What good news for us who need forgiveness. Uh, People who've rebelled, we can have forgiveness. That is good news. We can experience it. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 130. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, 
Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. The psalmist recognizes if God wasn't a forgiving God, if God wasn't a forgiving God, not one of us would have a chance. He says, who could stand before you, God? Who would have a chance if you were not a forgiving God? And of course, the answer is not there, but it's implied. No one, not one of us would have a chance if God was not a forgiving God. If God sat and held a ledger against every single one of His children for the sins that they've committed, no one would be able to stand. But the psalmist is saying, God, You're a forgiving God. You do not hold us accountable for our sins when we've turned to You. And he says the reason for that is so that we'll revere God, so that we'll fear God. That that's the the response when we've experienced God's mercy, then we'll look and say, God is such a good God. He forgives me when he doesn't, when when I haven't earned it. I don't deserve this, but he has extended his mercy. So forgiveness can be found in God. True forgiveness, which is what we all desperately need. Uh, is only found in God. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. I love Ephesians 2. uh, About God's action for our salvation. And as he addresses us all being dead in our sins... Ephesians 2, starting in verse 3, We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ even though We were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. But God, it's like we were all dead in our sins. But God, and those next words are so beautiful, He's rich in mercy. He doesn't have just a little mercy to cover, you know, some of our smaller sins. He is rich in mercy He is a forgiving God. He is a merciful God. And that is good news for every single one of us. I thought this morning, we don't have this verse, but I thought this morning about this description from Lamentations, uh, which we believe is written by Jeremiah. uh, And as Jerusalem has been overthrown and the, the nation taken out into exile and then in lamentations with all of this hopelessness going on because of the sins of Israel. And we see these words recorded, Lamentations three, twenty-two. I'm actually going to back up to 21. Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's faithful love we do not perish For His mercies never 
end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. As they're seems to be just the most hopeless of situations, and they're facing the consequences of their sin. And Jeremiah says, but I remember this, God's faithful, and His mercy is new every single morning. God is a merciful God, and we need to remember that church. So let's remember this. Often, let's remind ourselves, often, God is a forgiving God. It's only because He is a forgiving God that any one of us has a chance. And so we need to always remember that. And as I was thinking about those verses from Lamentations, I was thinking that this should become the pattern of when I wake up in the mornings, I should remind myself of this. It's, it's because of this that I have hope. That there is enough mercy for me to face today. God is a forgiving God. And the good news for us is we can experience His forgiveness, church. The third truth here, the third piece of good news from Psalm 130 that we're looking at today is this. Those who need mercy can set their hope on God's forgiveness. Those who need mercy can set their hope on God's forgiveness. Back in Lamentations, that's one of the things he said. Because this is true, I actually have hope. It may look hopeless, but I have hope because God's mercy is new every morning. Since God is a forgiving good, forgiving God, we can set our hope on Him and the promise of His words. Let's look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 130. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning. More than a watchman for the morning. The psalmist says he's just waiting on God. He's just holding on to the promise of God's forgiveness. He realizes that's the only hope I have. It, It can't be found in me. The only hope I have is that God is a forgiving God. And so I know that I will have this restored relationship with Him. God's Word says that He's a forgiving God. And He says, so that's what I'm putting my hope in. The reality that God will forgive me. I'm trusting in that. I'm holding on to that promise. He isn't hopeless. Even though He feels distanced from God... He says, I can hold on to this hope. And he uses this image. He says, uh, I'm, I'm just waiting on God more than a watchman for the morning. And he repeats that twice uh, just for emphasis. Now, he's not saying that because God's making him like making him pay some pay some, you know, some dues to kind of endure a little bit of discomfort until he'll come draw close to him again. That's not what he's saying. He's just giving this image of think of a night watchman standing guard. And one thing he knows for sure is that 
at some point in time, the, the sunlight is going to crack the horizon. The rays of the sun will come and the darkness will be over. I know it's going to happen because it happens every single day. And so he says, just as the night watchman is waiting on that and knowing for a fact that I will see the sunrise... Because it always happens. The psalmist is saying, that's how I'm waiting on God. I know it's going to happen. Because God's a faithful God. He is always merciful towards me. And so the psalmist says, that's what my hope is. That's what I'm putting my hope in, is that God will be true to His Word and that I will receive forgiveness. I will have this restored relationship with Him because that's who God is, not because of myself. So set your hope in that. The author of Hebrews speaks like this also. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since he who promised is faithful. We can hold on to the confession of our hope. The confession that we say, it's only because of Jesus Christ that I can be forgiven. I'll never be good enough without him, but I have Christ and so I can be forgiven. And he says, let's hold on to that. Why? Because God's faithful. That's why he'll always be faithful to his children. And so we need to hold on to that. Hold on to the forgiveness that we have experienced through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His blood is enough for us. So church, let's put our hope in God and in nothing else. Not in our ability to, to compare with others. You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good compared to the rest of the world. Not in our ability to do enough good to try to offset the bad. There's no hope in that. But there's hope in God's faithfulness. There's hope in the promise that God is a forgiving God. And so let's just hold on to that church. Hold on to the hope of the gospel that through the shed blood of Jesus, I have been forgiven. God's faithful. Now the last item we see from Psalm 130 is, uh, is how we should respond. The psalmist is, has personally experienced that God is a God that he can cry out to, that God is a God that he, can, that he forgives his children, that God is faithful and he can just put his hope in that. And now he's saying... But I don't want this just for myself. And so the psalmist calls on others. Would you, would you join me in this? Would you put your hope in God just like I have? Because He's got enough mercy and forgiveness for you too. And so this is, should be our response. And so the fourth point is this. Those who have received mercy should tell others about God's forgiveness. Those who have received mercy should tell others about God's forgiveness. Our response. Let's look at what the psalmist says in verses 7 and 8. Israel 
So speaking to his nation, his people, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. To his own people. You have sinned against God. But there's good news. Just put your hope in God. God is faithful in love. God is a forgiving God. There is redemption in abundance. I love that. Not just redemption, but there is an abundance of redemption to cover your sins, to, to pay the price for your sins. There's redemption in abundance. So the psalmist doesn't want to keep it for himself. He knows that his people, his nation has also offended God, has sinned against God, and is saying, turn to God. Ask for God's forgiveness. Put your hope in God and you will be forgiven. You'll experience the redemption that He has. He has enough to redeem all of us. Now the psalmist writing this doesn't know the full story. Uh, The psalmist doesn't know exactly how that redemption is going to be paid. How the price will be paid to cover all the sins. But he knows that God has promised to redeem his children. And that God is sending someone that's going to right the wrong. Someone that's going to pay the price for sins. So that the forgiveness of God can be experienced. But he doesn't know exactly. We're on the opposite side. Because we know how the story goes. Jesus Christ came, God's Son, and He was perfectly obedient, faithful in every way, didn't deserve death, hadn't earned God's wrath like we had, and then He died having the full wrath of God poured out on Him in the cross. And we, if we've trusted in Jesus, have received God's mercy We've received His forgiveness for our sins. And the psalmist is saying, here's the response. When you've received God's mercy, share with others the good news. God's a forgiving God. You can be forgiven from what you've done. You don't have to be crippled by that and hopeless. There's hope for you too. And so that should be our response, church if we have received the mercy of God, experienced the forgiveness of God through the shed blood of Jesus, we need to be willing to share with others. I want you to know about the forgiveness that's available to you. I love the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. In John 4, the disciples are off. Jesus meets the woman at the well and they have this dialogue Uh, the disciples come back and they start debating with Jesus and talking to Jesus like, what are you talking with her for? What's going on? And then we see this account from John 4 of her response. She's met Jesus. She realized, I think he's the one. I think he's the one that's going to right the wrongs. And what does she do? John 4 Verse 28, then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. 
Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. The woman's response and realizing, like, I think he's the one that we've been waiting for. He told me about all my sins. Come see a man. And the chapter goes on to say that they, the town came and they listened to Jesus and they tell her, hey, now we truly believe what you said is right. We believe he's the savior of the world. The town came to faith in Jesus because this woman came and said, I want you to know this person that I just met. I want you to meet him. She was faithful to share with others. And that should be our response, is to tell others about Jesus and the forgiveness that's available. And I get it. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to have those conversations with family members. It's uncomfortable to have those conversations with friends. It's uncomfortable to have those conversations with neighbors. I know that. I feel that discomfort too. Yesterday, I was up here doing some final work on my sermon. As I was working through this final point that our job is to respond by sharing the good news with others. And I felt convicted about this because Scott had youth in the fellowship hall working on evangelism training through the Dare to Share. And they, I knew that his plan was to take a group out and they were just going to go share the good news of the gospel and tell people. And here I am just sitting up here planning and prepping to tell y'all, hey, we need to be better about sharing our faith. And I was convicted because I don't like having those conversations. I feel awkward having those conversations so I told Scott, like, hey, I, I really feel like I need to join y'all. And so we went out and we talked with some individuals and we prayed. And our youth shared the good news of the gospel with some people in a nearby neighborhood. And it was hard because it feels weird. We're not comfortable with it. But we should. Because it, as people who've received God's mercy, as people who have experienced the forgiveness, that's our only hope. We need to tell others about it. You can experience it too. And so I'm challenging us to work through the awkwardness. Even though it's hard, I want us to be faithful in sharing with others about the forgiveness that's available. Let's urge others to put their hope in God. Because He's our only hope. And so this week I'd like us to pick individuals that we have in our lives that we know. I, I feel like they do not have faith. Either they've openly rejected it or based off of the, the way that they are, I really don't think they've ever trusted in Christ. And just say, like, can, I, can I talk to you about the, the forgiveness I've received? Uh, let's be faithful to that because we should want others to experience the forgiveness that we have received. If you have been listening today and you have never experienced the forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ, uh, if you've never heard the message of, of the gospel and believed it, uh, that's what we hope for you today. That this would be uh, the day that you would finally say, God, I, I need your 
forgiveness. And so I want you to experience it. I want you to realize your desperate need for it. And it's the same need that every single one of us has had. So the good news for all of us is that God loved us enough that even though we had sinned against Him, even though we had lived in ways and will continue to live in ways that are against His desires for us, He loved us enough to send His Son and Jesus died for our sins. And that if we would just believe in Him, that we would be forgiven and we would be adopted by God and brought into His family, filled with His Spirit and put on mission in this world to share with others the forgiveness that they could have. And then we will spend eternity with Him. That is good news. And so if you've never believed that, I would love to talk with you about what Jesus has done. And so schedule a time to meet with me. You can catch me on the way out. We can talk. You can fill out one of the yellow cards uh, that's on the seats in front of you and just say, I want to meet with the pastor because this is the most important thing for us. Church, what a loving, faithful, forgiving God we have. So for us, let's be quick to confess Let's be quick to turn to God when we find ourselves in sin again and say, God, I need your mercy today. Just like I needed it on the first time I believed, I still need your forgiveness and mercy. Let's remember that he's faithful in forgiving us. Let's put our hope only in that, nothing in ourselves. And let's be a people who, as we have experienced God's mercy Let's be faithful in sharing that with others and calling them to believe also because He is a good, merciful God. Let's pray. God, You are so good to us and we do not deserve Your mercy. We thank You for Your faithfulness to us even though we are often faithless. Work in our hearts. Help us remember that you're faithful. And then use us, God, to tell others the good news of the gospel and of the forgiveness that's available to the lost world. Holy Spirit, if there is anyone here who has never believed, work now in their hearts that they know that this is something that they need in their lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.